Welcome to Indigenising Curriculum in Practice with Professor Tracy Bunder and Dr. Caitlin Barney. Hi everyone, I'm Tracy Bunder and welcome to our podcast series, Indigenising Curriculum in Practice. I'm a Noogie Waka Waka woman and the Professor of Indigenous Education at the University of Queensland. I'd like to start the podcast by acknowledging country and the various countries from where our listeners are located and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. I acknowledge the ongoing contributions of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples to society at local, national and international levels. I'm joined by my colleague and co-host, Dr Caitlin Barney. Hi everyone. I'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land where we're recording and also where you're listening from and pay my respects to their ancestors and their descendants who continue to have strong connections to country. I also want to acknowledge that where we are recording has always been a place of teaching and learning. I'm a non-Indigenous woman living and working in Mianjin. In this series, Tracy and I interview Indigenous and non-Indigenous academics about how they're indigenising curriculum within the faculties at the University of Queensland. Together, we are going to ask questions to unravel the why, the how and the when of indigenising curriculum. Our theme for this episode is based on the principle of reciprocity and our guests today are Dr Keen Wheeler and Professor Murray Phillips from the School of Human Movement and Nutrition Sciences at the University of Queensland. Welcome. If you could introduce yourselves in any way that you feel comfortable. Murray, would you like to start off? I'm Murray Phillips and as uh, Caitlin mentioned, I'm from the School of Human Movement and Nutrition Sciences. I'm a historian of sport by trade. So I've worked in different capacities, in different contexts, uh, mainly about sport history. Over the last 15 years, I've been involved with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. And I've been working with communities at Sherberg, a couple of central desert communities, Papunya and Uendamu, and more recently in the Torres Strait. We work with community on a reciprocal base, basis on the kinds of things they're interested in. And when we talk sport, it's a really popular topic. And it's a really great topic to talk to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities because they love talking about their sporting experiences. And it's a soft topic for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. It's a topic they're really happy to talk about. And it's a really powerful way for us to actually understand their histories and their cultures and their identities. And so that's the work we do is we work with mob and we work with working with ways in which we can understand their historical trajectories particularly in terms of their identities, their cultures, from a long time ago right through to contemporary times. Keen. Thank you. So my name's Keen Wheeler. I'm an Ngurrubble man from northern New South Wales. Uh, my family are from Deepwater in northern New South Wales. I grew up on Ngunnawal Nambri country uh, around Canberra, and I now live uh, on Kabi Kabi country up in the Sunshine Coast and work here at um, beautiful uh, Yagara and Turrbal country um, in Brisbane. My work in research focuses a lot around what is the health of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and how can we, in a framework of excellence, actually promote health in culturally responsive ways. So a lot of what I do involves me going into community and working out how we as researchers can actually give back to community through meaningful research that allows community to 
one, take on the challenges of living in, a, in any community, but to also uh, to do so in, in culturally responsive ways. Thanks, Keen and Murray. Pleasure. It sounds like really exciting research that both of you are doing. And we know that you're both working together and collaborating on teaching. Can you tell us a bit about the course that you're teaching together and how the collaboration between the two of you works? The course that we teach, the, the abbreviated name is Indigenous Studies, but the long version is Indigenous Studies for exercise professionals, uh, uh, nutritionists and every, everything else that sits under our discipline. So basically it's a course designed solely for human movement and nutrition science students and they come into the course having done very little histories around Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander histories, but they also are very raw in terms of where they've come from, from a cultural perspective. So they've covered uh, at length how to take a heart rate, um, how to perform uh, skin fold tests, how to do a vertical jump test, so all of these Western-based measures. And they come into our course and suddenly they're thrown into a context which is definitely around this indigenising the curriculum. And there we cover areas such as identity and, and how the formation of identity occurs within Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. And then also that moves into reflexivity and the importance of establishing reflexivity and developing up your standpoint as, a, as an exercise professional. And then we go into, I guess, some of the rights-based approach to, to engaging with, with MOB. And then we move into cultural responsiveness uh, and those sorts of things. It's a broad course, but at the same time, the students really benefit from particularly like the, the reflexivity angle that we take in it. And so everything that the student does is about reflecting on their own positionality, their own upbringing and where they've actually been in the past and then how that informs their professional practice. Murray? So Keen, that's a really good synopsis of what we do. Uh, how we do it though is probably pretty interesting as well. So we have modules of roughly four weeks. Uh, in the first week we have a lecture where we provide content uh, for the students. In the second week, we give them a series of readings. We don't have lecture time per se. We get them to do the readings away. Then the third week, we come back and we do a yarning session. And that can be either a full, large yarning circle or smaller yarning circles, and then we combine them at the end. And that's really an effective way both to get the students to engage with the content material, but also to articulate their positions. So we've got principal rules around how we're going to yarn, respectful kind of discussions. And it's been a really effective way for students to engage with us uh, as individuals and us as collaborators, because one of the privileges for me is actually to work with Keen. Uh, I'm really fortunate because as much as we're working with the students, I'm also learning in the process of working with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So I've been really fortunate for the last couple of years to work with Keen. He's an excellent professional and a, a great um, communicator with the students. And one of the great things about the readings that we've, we've embedded in the course is that they're from, they're from the big names in Indigenous studies, you know. There's the Morton Robinsons and, and alike, uh, Rigneys and all of these sort of people. So it's, it's some of those foundational understandings of Indigenous methodology and, and how we then link up with their professional practice is the important thing. So we do that through the vehicle of reflexivity. But as Murray said, one of the key components of the course is actually the fact that we've got these modules set up with which are themed, 
But in between each, in the middle of each module, they do a reading week. And in that reading week, they're expected to go away and read the prescribed readings and think very deeply about them and come back to class and be prepared to actually justify their positionality based on the readings and what they've learned from the readings. So it's this sort of cycle of a more didactic measure of, of lecture, uh, then followed by the readings and then followed by the yarning session, which is, which is really successful. And, and the students actually say to us that they like the space that it gives them in order to think about the topic deeply. They say that the readings are very difficult to actually complete because they're confronting, but at the same time, they're challenging in terms of their complexity. But also at the same time, they like the fact that they're given time that they would either be in class, but actually given time just to have a think about what's happening and to explore their own positionality based on the research. One of the principles that has been um, formed for indigenising curriculum is reciprocity, and that's what the focus of today's podcast is. So listening to you both is teaching your students how to be culturally responsive. Would you see that as an act of reciprocity? Definitely. But I also think what Murray and I do is we sort of role model reciprocity within classes so so we teach it together so it's not Murray teaches a class I teach a class it's that we actually teach it co-facilitate each class what we do through that as well is I will actively question Murray about his positionality and Murray will do the same with me and so through that interaction we're actually showing the students that it's okay to be challenged in this context and it's okay for a non-Indigenous person to ask an Aboriginal person about their positionality um, and and vice versa. But, but also by asking the students to respond to active questioning about their positionality and their cultural responsiveness, what we're trying to do is challenge their implicit bias and really challenge that notion of the blinders are on, uh, I can't see what's in front of me, to just opening the mind a little bit, but focusing on themselves and their reaction. And so when, when, for example, I teach reflexivity, I teach it based on acceptance and commitment therapy, which is a very mindful practice, which talks about where in your body are you feeling it? What does it look like? What's the shape? What do the edges look like? And so we're actually sort of describing it as we move through the process before we actually start talking about values-based partnerships, giving back to community, which is all part of reflexivity, um, and then going into setting smart goals and things like that, which is also an important part of reflexivity. Mm. So we go through this sort of process, but at the end of it, the students hopefully feel like they're a little bit, they've been supported in their journey of reflexivity, but through this reflexivity and then exploring cultural responsiveness, they've been open to change and that will promote uh, reciprocity through give back in that intercommunity. Oh, the only thing I would add to that is the reciprocity is, we try to transmit that through talking about our research as well. 
So we talk about our experiences with mob and with community over a long period of time and the ways in which we've interacted with community, giving back to community, talking to communities, making sure that their voices are listened to. So the healthy respect that we have in our research, we use those as examples in our teaching. So for a lot of these kids that are going out to work in schools, they'll be working with Aboriginal communities as exercise physiologists. So again, it's about developing that reciprocity and the respect and cultural awareness um, through our activities and classes. It's great to hear about how you're co-teaching, like you're saying you're not just one person doing one week and then the other the next week, and you're kind of modelling how Indigenous and non-Indigenous people can work together. Do you have advice for other non-Indigenous staff about how they could Indigenise the curriculum? Keen has been invaluable for me, challenged me on so many levels and made me rethink positions in my understanding. And the students can see that and they can understand what's, what I'm going through, making sure that I'm communicating in effective ways with Aboriginal communities and with the, uh, the students about their uh, capacities. So I think there are a lot of challenges for non-Indigenous people working in the space. My advice would be to get a great collaborator like Keen and work with them over a period of time and develop an understanding and an awareness and a genuine collaboration through the teaching and learning process. That's very honourable. Did you want to add anything to that, Kim? Yeah, I, I think it's also important to acknowledge that not every Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander person will want to teach uh, Indigenous studies. And I think that's totally fair. But at the same time, I, I think at this, uh, we, we are in the best position to actually teach that, that content and that experience. But I think it's strengthened by the fact of Murray having an openness to constructive criticism but also us working together to make an experience that is authentic for the students. So for example one of the publications that Murray had published years ago had language in it that was probably not acceptable in today's terms and we do spend time in class talking about language and the use of language and I would point out to Murray you know um, you've used this term and this term and this term how do you actually feel about the position of your paper in contemporary society given that you've used what is now deemed inappropriate language and we have a very open conversation about that and to Murray's credit he's he's all for it and and says yeah I I totally accept that. Did did that sort of challenge you in sort of strange and wonderful ways Murray? Well it certainly made me go back and read that paper again. (laughs) Uh, Yes but it's like a a time capsule in terms of the way in which uh, language has become more and more important and definitive about how we refer to people. Yes, it was challenging, but uh, like I said, I think it's really appropriate for the students because they're going to be challenged in their careers in similar kinds of ways in, in the way in which the landscape's changing so quickly. They're going to need to be resilient or also reflective about their own attitudes to teaching and learning. I'm going to pick up on that concept of, of challenges and just switch it a little bit from sure. um, the relationship of you two collaborating and teaching. And if you could think about the challenges for the learner in Indigenous studies, how you've been able to meet those challenges for, those, for the students. Because when a non-Indigenous student in particular comes to greet this knowledge that we as Indigenous people are sharing, it can be quite confronting. What's been your experiences? Some interesting experiences. So when we first started this course, it was people's choice to join it. 
and that's a really privileged space to be in because people are these students are joining in taking this class voluntarily and they're wanting to know they're, they're willing to listen they're willing to engage they're open to conversations right so that's a lovely position to be in more recently this course has become um, compulsory for some parts of our degrees so that's changed the dynamic, and I do think that has made it more challenging in many ways. So we're getting more challenges from students or students that are uncomfortable, and you can tell by their verbal language and also by the, the way they're moving and so on. We have to be able to create a dialogue in which they can challenge issues and things on a respectful basis. So if we establish lines of argument and reasoning whereby there is a healthy respect for everybody there, then we can engage with those issues there. Some of the principles we've tried to instill in the students as we've developed, particularly in our yarning sessions, where it is open for discussion, where a lot of things are brought up that are challenging for non-Indigenous people and challenging for Indigenous people as well. But I think equally so, we benefit in this course uh, wholeheartedly from the fact that many of the students in the course value sport and exercise and physical activity and what we do is we centre the course around discussions of sport and exercise and physical activity. And so that allows us a vehicle to communicate on common grounds with the students rather than just presenting uh, what could be challenging information and challenging positions and really challenging them aggressively on their implicit biases. So I think what we, what we do is we leverage off the love of sport within the student cohort that undertake our course. And so, for example, we had a, a very recent discussion in last class around Latrell Mitchell and Cody Walker, who are Aboriginal rugby league players. And we talked, and the discussion started off as as we do about, you know, the weekend results and and who does what and all those sort of things. But it, it quickly progressed and we flipped it into racism in sport and would Latrell Mitchell be getting the same sort of criticisms if he was a non-Indigenous player? Okay, so you're arguing about that. This is great. Let's discuss further and unpack this and what it actually means. Okay, now let's link up to some of the theories that we've been learning about this semester. So I guess what we really try and do is harness the, the collective interest in sport and exercise to communicate a message of change and challenge their their implicit biases. That challenge of the course changing to be a compulsory course is really interesting and of course there's some literature around that and what happens in terms of it being a compulsory course as well. So the podcast's called Indigenising Curriculum in Practice. So is there one key point that you'd like to add further around Indigenising Curriculum in your space? As you probably understand from what I've said so far, I think I think reflexivity is absolutely vital in any indigenising the curriculum content. I think it is the foundation of behaviour change because if you if you don't truly want it yourself within you, then you're not going to make the change that's going to happen. For me, for any indigenising the curriculum parts or modules, you know, the foundations are actually around this reflexivity. And I, I was recently presenting at a conference and talking about the fact that for many of the human resource programs that are actually run in universities and government and these sort of places, they're actually based on history uh, or 
professional practice. And that only gets to the tip of the iceberg. And so by going through a reflexive practice and actually getting to assumptions and positionality and whiteness and all of these sort of things, you're actually uh, starting to tackle the bigger iceberg that's down below the surface. So I think for me, indigenizing the curriculum comes down to reflexivity. Um, and I think that's probably the vital component that I would have in there. Murray? I agree with that totally. Um, what I would add to it is there needs to be really good scaffolding around these courses. Um, so there's got to be support for the teaching staff. And the scaffolding's also got to extend to the schools in which the courses are taught. Because that's the political space, is how these courses fit into the curriculum. And that they're not trivialised or tokenised in any way, shape or form. And that the staff in general are, are on board with this process. So the support not only comes from within the course itself, but in the broader degree structures and the priority that the school places on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander affairs more broadly. Because then it, it doesn't sit as an icon or as an island sitting disparate from everything else. It's actually integrated into the school and integrated into the degree programs fully. I think they're really great points. To be able to be reflexive, to be able to be a deep thinker, in this space to think about not only what we're learning now but how it applies to my whole discipline and then how I'm going to apply that once I get out there in the big wide world that's what's going to change that political space around this particular discipline but the value of critical Indigenous studies. I think you guys are doing critical Indigenous studies. I want to thank you very much for coming today. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Indigenising Curriculum and Practice.